Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I am the voice of he, who is also known as I Am. And I'm Gary, and today we're going to review and discuss Dogma, which released in 1999, written and directed by Kevin Smith. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Linda Fiorentino, who plays Bethany. She has been tasked by some angels from heaven to search out God and try to stop Bartleby and Loki, a couple of warrant angels from entering heaven and destroying all of existence. Last four days on Earth? Mm. If I had a dick, I'd go get laid. We can do the next best thing. What's that? Huh? Let's kill people. So this is the fourth film in the View Askew universe. Yep. Going all the way back to Clerks in 1994, then followed that up with More Rats in 1995. We had Chasing Amy in 1997. Then we have Dogma, which will be followed by Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in 2001, yeah. and then yeah. Clerks 2 in 2006. Now, I don't think any of the other films really fit in the View Askew universe. Now, there will be a Clerks 3 yeah, down yeah. the line. Um, but this one here just still feels like the odd one because of so much that happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, considering Kevin Smith's kind of got a reputation for just having two people in, I don't know, in, in a room just talking. Yes, yeah. Yet to have all of this biblical goings-on that this film does. And this film got Kevin Smith into some quite hot water. <laughs> yeah. There was a ton of protests. There was lots of angry, angry churches and uh, and religious fanatics getting very, very angry with this film. Yeah. And they'd never even seen it. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to Kevin Smith, he had already penned a script for Dogma before even finishing Clerks. Yeah. But he was well aware that Dogma was going to require some special effects. He was also not sure of himself as a director or a filmmaker. So he wanted to give himself more room to learn his craft before really making Dogma. Yeah. And yeah, one, one of the, I think it was a William Donahue of the Catholic Church. <laughs> he really publicly lambasted Kevin Smith uh, for months and months because apparently one draft of the eight drafts of script... <laughs> leaked online way ahead of the film's release. So churches were angry about this film before it even come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, according to Kevin Smith, this William Donahue uh, called up Kevin's agent to actually get a copy of the film because apparently he'd been wanting to complain about this film intelligently. Yeah, right, so right. Kevin said, well, what were you doing for the last six months complaining about the film? <laughs> Unintelligibly? Jesus, you're a Catholic. Can't you talk to them? They hate me more than you, no doubt. At least you have an excuse, you're Jewish. You don't know any better. I saw this film in the cinema when it first came out and it just absolutely blew me away. So within like a week, week and a half, I'd already gone back and watched it twice more on top of that. So seeing this film three times uh, in the first week that it had been released was like a, a big turning point in my life because like I must have been what? 18 almost 19 at the time and i was saying this to gary before uh, we hit record like leading up to this point most of my film watching had been like arnie movies you know horror movies you know friday the 13th nightmare on elm street your standard kind of teenage watch mo movies you you're watching what your friends are watching in a group kind of thing you're not actually branching yourself out and at that point we didn't have really access to 
you know, indie underscore movies at that point. So I had no idea who the hell Kevin Smith was. And I walk into the cinema and I sit down and I watch this movie uh, called Dogma. Simply because I'd seen the trailer on TV and I, I, I like the idea of these angels, you know, fighting these people out in, in front of this church. It looked funny. Uh, the, and the, the poster kind of caught me as well. It was, it wasn't scary. It was kind of inviting. Like, you need to watch this, but I'm not going to tell you why. And then I'm sat there and I'm watching it. And same with watching it for the review. You get thrown off when that kind of title card appears talking about how this is all just comedy fantasy. And that, you know, if you don't understand the joke, then just take a look at the platypus. <laughs> it is a very Monty Python-esque setup. Yeah. Uh, especially because, like, another title card comes up, followed by another <laughs> one, followed by another one, apologizing for the one before it. You're just like, okay, so the, the it's setting the tone. Yeah. It's telling you not to take this seriously. And even Kevin Smith's like, look, I, I, I'm religious, you know? I, I go, I'm a Catholic, but I'm going to poke fun at myself. Like, why don't you just do the same? Like, have a yeah. sense of humor. Yeah, but this is it. And this is all this film does, is, is take this, you know, mystical, mythical fantasy and plays it out in front of you, but actually still kind of keeps it in the real world to say, look, this is why things like this don't work. I mean, we've got like Bud Court, you know, legendary Electric Dreams. Bud Court just stood there. Uh, he's, he's at Asbury Park in New Jersey, just kind of enjoying the sunlight, stood there enjoying the, 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 the seaside. And then we get these three little evil bastards turn up with hockey sticks and just beat the shit out of him. Now, first time watching, you have no idea what the hell just happened. You just know a guy just got the shit kicked out of him. But then we cut to Red Bank, New Jersey, and we're we're introduced to uh, George Carlin uh, playing uh, Cardinal Glick, and he's explaining about how the the Catholic Church is trying to turn itself around. It needs a new image. Yeah. And therefore, we're going to get rid of the Christ on a cross because well, it's depressing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So let's unveil our new. Jesus Christ, Buddy Christ. <laughs> that that statue is fantastic. Yes, yes, <laughs> and and it's the this whole idea as well that um and we'll 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 understand it more when we first get introduced to Bartleby and Loki, uh, played by the 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 stunning Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, who, you know, at this point they'd, I th I think it works out that they they'd helped out. Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck had helped out Kevin Smith with like Chasing Amy and More Rats. Then he's gone off and he's done Goodwill Hunting and won an Oscar with that with Matt Damon. And then come back and gone, yeah, all right then, Kevin, I'll help you a little bit more with your film career. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great. I mean, the two of them had like a really strong friendship yeah. throughout the years, and uh, and it's great to see such a a diverse and and really strong cast uh, in this film because we also have Alan Rickman, yes, Chris Rock, Selma Hayek, Alanis Morissette, Alanis Morissette. You know. just, it just the the, the 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 stars in this film just keep coming. I think it 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 works because it seems at first like a mishmash of of actors and actresses but they are so good at their craft you know like i said i'd i'd not really seen much of ben affleck or matt damon up to this point i hadn't even seen goodwill hunting even though it was so successful at this point 
I, I was just like, that's not a film for me when when I was at that age. Sure. But watching Dogma, these two just were so friendly. They had this brotherly com- kind of camaraderie with each other while on screen. So you get that through Bartleby and Loki while they're talking about, you know, how they used to like rain fire down and kill thousands of people because Loki used to be the angel of death and how they've been, you know, exiled from heaven for something. But Bartleby's been slipped this piece of newspaper and this newspaper is explaining that Cardinal Glick, George Carlin's character, is going to bless the archway of this church. And so anybody who walks underneath the archway immediately gets their soul cleansed of any sins that they've had and they can freely enter heaven. Now, and this is where it kind of gets a little bit technical, but if you stay with me, I'll explain it to you just as, as I got it the first time I watched it. Dogmatic law, which is the earth human law that we have down here, if we hold it, or if we make the law here, it is held in heaven. So cleansing somebody's soul on earth will immediately get them into heaven. And so Bartleby and Loki, if they walk through the arch, their souls will be cleansed. They will be able to get into heaven. And well, that's a good thing, right? Yes, technically. Uh, because it gets later explained by uh, Alan Rickman when he goes to meet uh, Linda Forentino's character, Bethany, that anything that undoes God's will will completely destroy the universe. If they're allowed to enter that church, they'll unmake the world. Or all of existence. Like, is that the whole universe, the galaxy as well? Like, everything? Everything. Like... Every dimension, because we're living in a multiverse of dimensions now, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I don't know how it worked back <laughs> in 1999. All existence. All existence, end. yeah. And, oh. and, and Bethany, Bethany's a really interesting character, because I like uh, Linda Florentino's kind of acting in this, where she's... She's the most grounded. Is yes. she the one calling bullshit on everything around yes, her that's yes. happening? She's like, there's no bloody way. But she's she's incredibly... She's in f- full of spite. She she hates kind of religion because of the way it's yeah, done to well, her life. We, we get great, you know, it's a good setup for her character. Well, we follow this other woman um, who who's coming into the abortion clinic where yeah. they work. So you got the protesters, you got the pro-life, anti-woman's rights, all that kind of stuff going on in the background. And so yeah, they're miserable at their jobs. They're being har- you know harassed daily. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, when she comes home and then. Metatron appears in her room. She hoses him down with a fire hose and gets the baseball bat ready to beat the crap out of him. And Metatron's just like, look, let me explain myself. (laughs) I still don't believe me. Here's my angel wings. Oh, man. (laughs) Such an amazing special effect. It really is, isn't it? It really, really is. And of course, so Metatron explains to her, like, look, you're, you've been chosen by God. Like, come with me. We're going to go to a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Sits her down. Just like, look, this is, this is what you need to do. You need to go and find the two prophets. The, the, they'll announce themselves to you. Then you need to go to New Jersey and uh, <clears throat> stop some angels from getting into a church. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. Stop a couple of angels from entering and thus negating all existence i hate it when people need it spelled out for them alan rickman man like i 
I'd only seen Die Hard and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves probably up to this point. Like I may have seen him in other things, but I wasn't really jumping on the bandwagon of, you know, Jane Austen epics and, and that kind of period drama with him. But seeing him in this and like he just he just seems so young and cool. Hanging out with the cool kids. Yes, like, this in a way, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this is an independent acting for Alan Rickman. He's able to make this character his own, you know, slap these wings on and just, you know, act out to Bethany, to the audience. Like, look, you know, God is real. I'm an angel. This is all that's going on. And now we've got to stop all of existence from exploding. Got it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, there was one scene that I did want to bring up as well. It's one of my favourite scenes that kind of sets up uh, Loki and, and Bartleby yeah. uh, at the airport when Loki is talking to a nun <laughs> yeah. as they're walking down the terminal <laughs> and he's completely convincing her why she should give up her religious ways. And by the end of it, she does. She's like, you know what? You're right. I'm done with this. And then as the two of them are going <laughs> yeah. along the escalator, you can yeah. see the nun in the background just causing mayhem. So, obviously intoxicated on something already. Yeah. So, so there's, there's just the humor. It just sets you up. It lets you know who these characters are straight away, just with, just with dialogue and banter. Yeah. Uh, as we, you know, even though this, the film takes a lot of time to set up what they actually need to do and why, there's still just lots of playful dialogue. Yeah. And we also get introduced to Jason Lee's character, Azrael. Um, he's kind of the mastermind behind it all because... He's he 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 first reveals himself at this woman's house by having her killed by one of the trio, and then he just turns on her air conditioning. Which the film doesn't really fully explain it, but I I kind of understand it as like he's a demon. He comes from hell, so he's always hot, and he doesn't want to be hot. So using the the air conditioning to constantly cool him down is is like his greatest pleasure. Um, but he sends the trio off to kill Bethany. And we see her come out of the abortion clinic. She's she's getting ready to get in her car. They come up. They beat her down. They're, they're about to beat the crap out of her with their hockey sticks. And then we hear snooch to the motherfucking nooch out of nowhere. And we get our first... Well, this was my first introduction to two of the greatest cinema characters of all time. <laughs> snooch to the motherfucking nooch! Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> yeah. beat these, uh, I mean, I want to call them demons, like there's buzzing fly noises yeah. whenever they're on screen, but they get beaten down all off screen. Like we never actually see <laughs> the beat downs occur. We just no, see these kids no. getting thrown around or thrown on screen <laughs> and the three of them run away. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's unveiled. Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes. The two prophets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I find it, this this film is like the pinnacle for their performance. You know, I think they, they got such a massive mainstream release with this movie. And they were kind of, because they were rubbing shoulders with such great actors and actresses in this movie. And we we're going to so many premieres. This was where everyone was like, oh my God, we want more Jane Silent Bob. But the weird thing is, the Jane Silent Bob that we get in here is not the same Jane Silent Bob that we've got in the previous three movies. Well, they were just cameo background extras, well, kind of, in those films. Yeah, but they, they've established themselves as, you know, drug dealers, you know, lazy stoner, sit-around bums who just, you know, they helped out the, the main heroes for the stories. Yeah. And they kind of do it in this as well, but the weed jokes have been cut down a little bit. 
you know, um, and it's more focused on the, 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 the other actors around them. Well, it's more focused on the two of them wanting to get laid. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the sex jokes are continuous. But what I mean is after this is everyone's like, oh, we need, we need Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, their own movie, which, you know, wasn't as big as Dogma. We need them to come back in Clerks 2 and be like they were in Clerks 1. Well, that's not what like, they, they were like in Dogma. Like, like, Jay has a lot of good action sequences in this, especially when, you know, as the prophet, he's the one who's feeding a lot of the information to Bethany. But then at the same time, he's so stupid. Like, they're driving along. I get to drive. And so they're speeding along in his car and they overheat it. And he's like, oh, what do I know about shifting? I don't know how to drive. <laughs> what gear are you in? <laughs> gear? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's loads of, like, dumb comedy, but there is some smart comedy in there as well. Yeah. It really is just, you know, it's a comedy film, so if a joke doesn't make you laugh, with with Dogma, I'm sure there's jokes that will uh, coming up. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, a great moment as well where, where Bethany's just like, you know what, I'm done with you two, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Chris Rock, Rufus, just falls out of the sky. <laughs> Beautiful big titted women just fall out of the sky, you know. I guess not. So, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful naked big titty women just don't fall out of the sky, you know. If the way Chris Rock kind of hits the floor, I, I, I like Chris Rock's kind of comedy timing in this film. Unlike some of his performances, I know some of his performances can be a bit, a little bit, I don't know, slap happy. <laughs> oh, let's let's just let that. I will let that joke slide, okay? Um, but with this. You know, with the support of Kevin Smith, giving him this this character to be able to feed this information to Bethany, like, look, I was there with Jesus. I was there. I've met God. And I get kind of left out of the story. Why? Because it's controlled by a lot of men, a lot of strong white men. You know, nobody wants to hear about a brother. Nobody wants to hear about all the days that we had, like getting drunk and him losing money and things like that. And you you, you understand it. Like, yeah, that would give the Bible bad press. <laughs> what, Jesus was black? <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> But just the way that Chris Rock kind of delivers it, like, oh, put, pass a brother your coat as well. You know, I'll tuck my armor back so that I can walk around. Uh, and, and they've also got the meet up with Salma Hayek too, who plays the muse. Serendipity. Oh. And that's all because the apostle, Chris Rock, is 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 telling everyone, he's trying to convince them of, of that he knows things about yeah. their lives. And he's just like, yes, Jason, uh, you masturbate uh, more than anyone else on the planet. <laughs> and he's like, tell me something I don't know. You think about men when you're doing it. And so he ends up taking Silent Bob to a strip club to yeah. prove that he's a straight man. Yeah. And so there, there's where we have Selma Hayek. Dancing. Just, just dancing. Like. <laughs> and we get the gag of them holding up extra extra notes. So yeah. she's bouncing between this gang and between Jason and Kevin. See, it, it took me a couple of watches to, to to establish what she was doing. Like, at that point, the only muse I knew were a rock band. Oh. You know, and then obviously understanding that she's actually influencing them. And she explains it as well to, to Bethany and Rufus that the reason why she's not in heaven is because she wanted to do this to herself. Um, and live a life by just, you know, inspiring herself. But God's quirky humor allows serendipity to inspire absolutely everybody else around her, but not herself. She explains that she helped make what the top 
19 greatest <laughs> movies of all time, except that one about the kid that gets left at home and has to set booby traps for burglars. She was yeah. like, couldn't influence that one. Somebody must have sold their soul to the to, to, to a demon in order to get that film popular. <laughs> Which is like, it was a nice, nice little joke. And it yeah. was because... The reason why they explain why Jay and Silent Bob are here as well is that they're on a John Hughes movie location road trip. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if like like I got really massively into Kevin Smith when I first watched his film, so I went back and watched all of his movies, and I went back and bought all of his comic books as well. And he had one called Chasing Dogma, which at the end of um, at the end of Chasing Amy. Or just at the end of Mole Rats, leading into chasing Amy, and then a lot of the adventures that they would have that would go into Jane, Silent Bob Strike Back, like Suzanne the Monkey, the Orangutan, things like that, they do in this comic book, which ultimately the comic book ends with them rescuing Bethany from the three kids. Right, yeah. And they've been looking for this place, Shermer, Illinois, from John Hughes movies, which doesn't exist. So <laughs> that's how they ended up here. You know, God's quirky influence. I like the fact that Dogma does feel kind of like a road trip movie oh, as you're going is. along. It absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're in the car, then we end up in the train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or to try... I mean, they, they, the whole film, they've just got to get from A to B. Yeah. That's essentially it. Uh, but at the same time, we're cutting back to Bartleby and Loki. Now, they've been travelling on this bus... And and Loki really wants to perform one last act of you know killing in the Massacres. name of God, a yeah. massacre. And he's chosen the movie corporate boardroom for his massacre because he thinks they're idolaters. You know they've got the movie Golden Calf. But you get that bus sequence where he taps this guy on the shoulder and he's like, "Excuse me, is that your wife?" And the guy's like, "No." And he starts making out with her, and it turns out that he's an adulterer. So fucking Loki just pulls out this desert eagle. And just shoots him in the back of the head. And he does that whose house little dance at the end. I always love that. Run's house. Whose house? Run's house. Whose house? Run's house. I said whose house? Run's house. Uh, but I also like the scene earlier where they went into the gun store and we get the cameo. Yes. Of uh, of Jeff Anderson, yeah. the gun store clerk. And we also had a cameo earlier of Brian O'Halloran on, on playing another news. relative of, yeah. uh, of Dante Hicks, <laughs> the, the news presenter. Um, there's loads of cameos in the film, loads of people that are friends with Kevin or have been in other movies, just playing a different part. Yeah, uh, shoehorned in here, which which is just great. But the 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 scene where they want the massacre, it leads up to the big scene when they go into is it movies corporate HQ, yeah. Yeah. all the big wigs all sat in their suits, and it is a great scene yes. where he literally goes round systematically one after the other and shares to the entire room all of the shady, horrible things that they've done to either loved ones, family members, uh, what they've done with their money or or other colleagues. And uh, you're like, yeah, these are all pretty despicable, disgusting human beings. And it's kind of the way, I don't know, we look at anti-consumerism or those that at the top of the corporate ladder that don't give shit about the underlings. But this whole scene was set up to be like a John Woo um, action scene, right, right. But that's why the, all of the all of the actors in the scene were all all stunt stunt doubles or stunt workers. Oh, right, ready to do all these stunts. Yeah, but they decided, you know, what? we're just going to have it off camera. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it doesn't. The camera cuts away, and all you hear is Matt Damon just screaming, "Pigs, pigs, you're all pigs!" I love the fact that he gets that girl at the end, and he's just like, "Look, you're an innocent, but you didn't say bless me when I when I sneezed." <laughs> 
and he gets pulled away by Bartleby. From that point, I was always aiming to say bless you whenever somebody sneezed, just in case. <laughs> just in case the angel smited. of death was there, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the, the, the group are obviously making their way to the church and ultimately they all end up meeting on this one train. They've all kind of gotten together. Like, uh, they're, they're still trying to understand where God is. Like, uh, Rufus is saying to Serendipity, like, look, you know, we can't find God. You know, he takes these little trips. He would have easily just stopped all this. And they're trying to, they haven't, completely at this point explain to Bethany what her whole point in this is you know we'll later find out that she's actually one of the last 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 descendants of Jesus Christ but she's like I said the actress playing Bethany is just playing this character so well that you feel so grounded like you, everything she's going through that's what you would feel like going through this mystical event so when you're on this train and she's talking to Bartleby you know, Loki's hanging out fucking smoking weed with Jane Silent or, Bob. Or, or pretending to. <laughs> pretending to, because they can't drink or smoke or whatever. But none of them know who any of them are. But the way that Bethany kind of, she has a few drinks and she explains to Bartleby, like, look, yeah, I've, I've been convinced to go to this church in New Jersey and kill these angels. And, and Bartleby's just like, oh shit, she's talking about us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great revelation. The fact that yeah, they realise that these are the, the you are the ones that are set up to oppose us. Yeah, and uh, he ends up taking her hostage. Yeah, and uh, and Loki con like Loki throughout the film is is kind of flip flopping like oh this is a great idea Bartleby I can't wait to get home with you and then sometimes he's like actually no this is a really bad idea I don't really want to be doing this You're... these are nice people actually yeah well it's Loki still doesn't kill innocent people if you are innocent people he he, he just can't harm you so the, yeah. this whole part on the train Bartleby's just like look kill Bethany and he's just like I can she's not done anything wrong yeah so Silent Bob takes the both of them and throws them off the back of the train <laughs> yeah. I was like how is he overcoming these angels for some reason he's an instrument he's of God man he's an instrument of God but <laughs> it, it's the it's it's the one liner the joke now granted it's taken directly from Indiana Jones yeah um, but when the guy's looking over all panicked like why did you throw those people out of the train and he's just like no ticket yeah it's great yeah it's great No ticket. Alan Rickman would return again in the forest and he breaks it down to Bethany like, look, you are the last scion. And he also even explains more from Rufus's point that, you know, yes, Jesus was the son of God and Jesus's father is God and he was born through Mary. But Mary actually had more children, you know, and so, the you know, the scions are all relatives of Jesus. The they, they've got some kind of imbued magical powers or mystical powers or whatever you want to explain. But ultimately, you know, the descendants further and further down, she's the last one. And she's really a kind of angry because of her whole life. You know, her husband's left there. She's unable to have children. She works in an abortion clinic. And now she's here to, she's got to save the fucking universe because she's the last descendant of Christ. And I love Alan Rickman's performance, especially him walking on water. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like after him passing, I didn't realize watching Dogma in with him in would be so difficult yeah you know yeah well, he's just he's just so good yeah so good still missed and and jay actually reveals at this point because he you know alan rickman's teleported them to some kind of fancy restaurant and jay's explained to him like look why don't we go to cardinal glick 
and just ask him to keep, not do the ceremony. Yeah, keep, keep the church closed. So they go and speak to him. And just like any kind of religious priest, he's just like, nope, you're all mad. You're all talking bullshit. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kick you out of the, my office. And we're, we're, we're still following Bartleby and Loki. So the tension is more and more building up towards the end of the film. Ultimately, you know, we have the bar sequence where Azrael turns up and expects to keep them all there at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, he takes them all at hostage and they're just like, come on, Azrael, tell us what happens next. He's like, oh, I've seen way too many James Bond movies to reveal <laughs> yeah. the ending now. But during all of this conversation, uh, uh, Serendipity keeps looking over at Silent Bob like, the, the the golf club. Get the golf club. <laughs> Kevin Smith's just like, what? He's all about that? No, can I really? He's a demon. So he's like, just do it. And then Azrael spots what's going on. He's like, all right then, come on then. I'm going to take off my jacket, unbutton my top, like, give me your best shot. Go on. Go on, Silent Bob. <laughs> and he grabs the iron and smacks it right through his chest. It's like, that was an instrument of God because <laughs> yeah. it was a blessed, blessed nine iron. Of yeah. course, the priest would bless his golf club for a better swing. But I'm a fucking demon. See, I only just thought about it as well, about how, how Silent Bob is influential in so many of these fight sequences. So like, we, we we've we've got to talk about the the shit demon that had come up at the yeah. strip club, and it, it it like it's a it's a terrible CGI effect. No, it's, it's, there's no CGI. Really, the, I thought him climbing out of the poo on the floor that was. Well, maybe, that maybe was the, all the, CGI. The, 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 I think there was CGI effects when it was catapulting feces at them. When it was catapulting feces, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm pretty sure. It, I mean, it was a dude in a suit. I, I know it was a dude in a suit when they, we saw it in the room. That was quite a cool suit, kind of. Maybe movie. I was just looking away when it came <laughs> up on screen. I was like, you know, I don't want to see this shit anymore. Yeah. But they, we'd had the shit demon, and he'd killed a bunch of the gang members. All uh, of them. Yeah. <laughs> again, uh, off screen. Off screen again. Yeah. And Bob had sprayed him in the face with like Odin neutralizer, and it just completely knocked him out. Well, that's what it said on the on the can. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also thrown Bartleby and Loki off the train, and now he's just killed a demon with a, a, a blessed infused weapon. Like, like, you know, Kevin Smith's like, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do that too. All the heroics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But while they'd all while they'd been held there by Azrael, we'd seen that Bartleby and Loki had turned up at the church. They have started to lay waste and massacre all the people at the church. I like I don't understand why they were killing all these people other than Bartleby's gone mad. You know, and Loki's Loki's unsure about it, but you know, he's going along with the plan. Well, it's the fact that they they enjoy occasional massacres. Yeah. And so if they're about to go home, they'll never be able to do another massacre again. So it was like, you know, out with a bang kind of thing. What is it with angels in movies that just love killing humans? Like, I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. Well, they explain how resentful they are that God made these angels, then true. made humans, then gave humans all the choices. Angels can't get drunk. They can't smoke. They can't fuck. Like, what's to enjoy as an angel? Like, you've got wings. We don't have wings. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, but we we watch Bethany and and Rufus and Serendipity all turn up at the church with Jane Silent Bob, and you know Loki has revealed himself to have already lost his wings. I, I'm not sure if he cut his own wings off 
or if Bartleby's done it, but like he's he's human now, so he's drinking, he's gotten drunk. Um, but his confrontation with Bartleby, you know, Bartleby is so determined that he's going to walk through the 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 gate. They they've even explained to him that it was Azrael who's done it, and he he he's done it so that he can destroy the universe. But Bartleby's just like, no, I'm going to prove God wrong. I'm going to get into heaven. I'm going to get into paradise. It's it's all for me. Um, and, and like I love that whole moment when Ben Affleck comes down in front of the church yeah. with the wings. I mean, I know it's all strings and the wings are all prosthetics, but it just looks kind of so iconic with the body armor as well. He has that smug look in one of the one of the angles. Yeah, so, yeah, it's very very impressive. And he he takes Loki out because Loki is against the idea now, and so he's killed Loki and Loki dies. Um, but they're they're fighting Bartleby. You know, they can't stop him. He's, he's a fucking angel, you know. But they can't do anything until he's human. Right. Well, Jason Mew steps out with an Uzi and blasts his wings off. You know, and Serendipity's just like, no, you idiot. You've made him human now. Yeah. And uh, now he's ready to walk through the archway, to the, through, the, through the church doorway and back into heaven. Well, it's all cut and close, isn't it? Because Bethany's just come under the realisation that the John Doe that we'd seen at the beginning of the movie... And that we'd heard about many times throughout the movie being kept on life support in the hospital has to be God. So she races her way all the way over to the hospital with, with Silent Bob and turns off his machine just as Bartleby is just about to enter through the doorway and God is released back out into the universe. And it's it's quite a cool ending because we 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 watch the lightning hit Bethany and we see the blood and so we know it's a fatal wound. But we get the combination of Bartleby being confronted by Alanis Morissette, who, like, 1999, I was deep, deep, deep into Alanis Morissette music. So Hell when I yeah. Saw her Jagged st- little pill. God damn. Yeah, when I saw her step out as God, I was like, the movie sold this to me. This is just great. Yeah, apparently Alanis Morissette was going to be playing Bethany originally ah. um but because of her a world tour and music and everything else she couldn't do the entire part yeah so they gave her the role of god at the end anyway which as far as i'm concerned is the perfect casting for god yeah next to morgan freeman <laughs> alanis marset is 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 god yeah. you know and she she can't say anything you cannot hear the word of god no. metatron will deliver god's word for you uh but uh of course Bartleby straight away just breaks down starts crying like, i'm sorry yeah I'm sorry. And uh, uh, Metatron tells everyone you might want to cover your ears for this bit. God, God's about to talk. Yeah. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, she literally just screams and Bartleby's head explodes. Yeah. <laughs> now, some people would say that that's how they feel after listening to an Elias Morissette album, but that's not my case. That You know, the voice of God is so powerful that it just literally blows your head open and your heart. <laughs> I'm fucking Jay's reaction at the end of this. I think this immediately, this reaction just started me on the love path for Jane Silent Bob, where he's just like, what the fuck's happened to that guy's head? Why is this chick not fucking talking? What the fuck is this? The fucking piano? What the fuck's going on here? The answer you're looking for is in my companion's eyes. What the fuck does that mean? 
Yeah. You get the great moment where uh, Metatron's had blood spilled on him and he's like, hey, God, like, let me give me your dress here. I'm just going to clean up this blood. And she's like, no, no, you're in my dress. And she just unzips it to another one. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, you know what? This, this, all of this massacre here, I'll best take care of that. Yeah. Clicks her fingers, cleans everything up. Metatron's like, hey, you missed a bit. It's great. See, I got asked the question by somebody at the end of the movie was like, so Bartleby and Loki died, but they never entered. They died human deaths. They died human deaths, but they didn't enter the archway. So now, did they go to heaven? Did they get forgiven by God and allowed into paradise? Did they go to hell because they died uh, as humans with murder on their souls? You know, all the people that they killed, did God reset their lives so they're all alive or are those, all those people dead and gone to heaven and it's just all been removed from memory? There is no answer in the film so that's, it is literally whatever you think happened. That's it. There are so many multiple answers and I think that's that's the whole point of this movie as well. It's like with religion, with the universe, we're trying to make an explanation. People can have so many different answers. Uh, Bethany turns up with Silent Bob and she's dead. But luckily, God has the power of Mr. Miyagi. I think Mr. Miyagi had a sit down with Alanis Morissette and showed her. I mean, even Alec Rickman does the wax on, wax off line, <laughs> which is amazing. And she's brought back to life. Bethany's brought back to life. Um, she, like, it's, it seems so corny, but it just seems like that's the kind of thing that God would do, where Bethany explains, uh, you know, asks God, like, what's your big plan? And Alanis Morissette just kind of bumps her on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but doesn't depart without giving her one final gift yes she's pregnant a virgin birth or mer- a ver- immaculate yeah. conception <laughs> yeah, rather. Immaculate, yeah. yes that, that's right that's <laughs> I, it's this moment as well like i said it was really sad watching watching alan rickman step into that doorway with god and the door close and kind of knowing inside that, that like that's it he's he's gone now yeah. It's really quite sad. I know. I know. <laughs> well, Ian, what were your favourite scenes in Dogma? Oh, man, I'm, I'm just going to make this so easy for myself. Like, the whole entire movie is just absolutely amazing. Specifically, if I'm really going to be specific, any of the sequences with Jane Silent Bob in, any of the sequences with Bartleby and Loki in, um, I, anything with Alan Rickman in, Salma Hayek dancing, like... Chris Rock making his jokes, just everything, like, Gary. Well, yeah, I mean, everything. you've just, just said the whole movie. And the whole movie, Yeah, man. yeah. Loki fucking with the clergy yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Great, great yes, setup. Yes. Uh, Metatron, the first time his, his wings are unveiled. Yes. Absolutely great, great moment. I mean, Alec, Alan Rickman is absolutely great in the entire film. Yes. Um, the shit demon killing the gang <laughs> off screen. Yeah, yeah. Great, great funny moment. Selma's dance, yes. as she said. It's got to be brought up. Yep, yep. The no ticket gag on the train. Love that moment. That was that was really great. And Alanis Marset turning up as God. Like the first time seeing that, I was just like, yes, yes. <laughs> just yes. <laughs> well, Ian, do you recommend Dogma? Yes, a well, wholeheartedly yes. And I know that there's many people out there who could argue about reasons, you know, not to watch it. Kevin Smith's writing, the directing, the acting. You know, all that kind of thing. Personally, for me, I saw this film three times in the cinema the week of its release. And it still sticks with me as one of my fondest memories as such a... uh, Like, I say young age. I was 18, 19. I was at a pivotal age to sit and watch 
an intelligent movie. And this is an intelligent movie. It's got intelligent script writing behind it. It's got intelligent thought behind it. Great jokes. You know, say what you want about Kevin Smith's career before this and after this, regardless. I love Jane Silent Bob. I love Salma Hayek dancing in a bra. I love Alan Rickman. I love Alanis Morissette. I love Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm definitely going to be <laughs> recommending Dogma. Great fun road trip comedy with angels and shit demons. Stripping muses and Jason Muse. I still consider this one of the best Kevin Smith films. It has great central story following a bunch of misfits who need to save existence as we know it in great satirical form. All the Bible references, they're silly or they're poking fun at the religion aspects. It's rather amusing and often the script is quite clever and witty. It's a Kevin Smith film, so there's plenty of scenes of people sat around talking to each other, but Dogma offers splatterings of violence and carnage in an off-screen yet very comedic setup that works with deadpan and slapstick performances by a diverse and talented cast. The whole ensemble really made this film work. Great personalities, characters, funny dialogue and solid performances. Lots of great movie references, comic book references, some subtle, some obvious jokes, but it has great rewatchability. It's a well-constructed comedy that works the biblical satire well. It's intelligently written and executed and absolutely worth a watch. Get touched by an angel. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. You people. If there isn't a movie about it, it's not worth knowing, is it?